Good morning, everyone. Why don't we say hello to one another once again? Just people to your left, to your right, behind you, in front of you. It truly is a blessing to be called a church. We are not a fellowship. We're not a special interest group. We're not people who've gathered here because we found something compelling in one another. But we are people who've been called by God. And it makes all the difference in all the world. A people who are gathered because they are called by God will have a different sense of identity and a different ethic in terms of how they love God, how they love one another, and how they live in this world. Our identity is not on what we can bring to the Lord. Our identity comes in what God has done for us. In verse 1 and 2, we have Paul's greeting to the church in Corinth. And it's really startling how he calls the church in Corinth in verse 2. He says, to the church of God in Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus and called to be his holy people. See, Paul understands that when you address a local church, your view of who they are cannot simply be the temporal worldview, cannot be the cultural worldview, cannot be sort of what gender you might be, but the view is the view from what God has done for you. To be called sanctified, what he's saying is that God has made you holy and blameless. He's called you apart, and he's given you his righteousness in Christ Jesus. When Paul looks at the church of Corinth, he does not simply see a bunch of people who are sinners and a ragtag bunch of people who have lost their way. But Paul sees one another, the congregation at Corinth, as those who are loved by God, those who have been sanctified by God, those who will be made fully holy by God. And it makes all the difference in the world to him. Even for us as God's people here, when we look around and see each other, our hearts must first think, oh, this is so-and-so, or this is so-and-so. But our hearts must first think and ponder, here is someone who God dearly loves. And because God dearly loves them, so should I do likewise. 
Paul also addresses a specific church, the church at Corinth. He has this, this idea that a church is simply not people scattered or individuals. But the church is that group of people who've gathered together on Sunday. Sorry, not simply on Sunday, but their whole lives together to help one another to pursue the Lord in all his fullness. He's not addressing sort of simply a member here, a member there. He's addressing them together as a group, as a whole. And so we likewise come to the same realization that he's not addressing simply the church universal. He's calling each church into account and asking each church to see one another as brothers and sisters, to see one another as people that gather, pause, that, that God has gathered together to worship and serve him. And then he goes on to say, with all those everywhere who call in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, their Lord and ours. And so to anyone else, he may benefit from the reading of this letter in Corinth as well. But the address he is sure a particular church called out by God, loved by God, sanctified by God. For us here at CCPC, our eyes must see the same thing with one another. As people who are loved by God, as people who will one day be perfect before the Lord. Our eyes must change and not see simply the foilables, see the distress, see the difficulties. But we must see Christ and Christ glorified in one another. Have you ever had that experience where you meet someone for the first time and first impression is just not that good? You don't know what it is, but your first impression isn't that good. But then someone you respect, someone you love, perhaps me. <laughs> Why is Young Jin laughing so loudly? And I say to you, this guy, his first impression is, eh? But he's faithful. He's a good guy. Give him a job. I'll vouch for him. Your mindset changes. Your heart opens. I'm here to say to you, you see these people around you? Jesus knows them. Jesus loves them. Jesus vouches for them. So go and love them. This is the heart that Paul starts from in this church at Corinth. This is the heart that Paul starts off with the church in Ephesus. 
church in Philippi, church in Colossae, to every particular church that he writes the letter to. And do I dare say to this church as well? And because of that framework, he's able to say in verse 4, I always thank my God for you. I always thank my God for you. There's several things that he does here. He prays for the church because he knows that God's presence is there. He prays for them. But he doesn't start off with, God, our church is a mess. Or God, there's these, this church has real deep issues, deep problems. He doesn't start off with, man, we have adulterers in our church. This church has adulterers in their church. Lord, we have schisms in our church. People are split. This church has schisms in the church. Lord, we have unfaithful people in this church. This church has unfaithful people. But he starts out with what? With thanksgiving. For the church that God has started and placed here. Brothers and sisters, if we don't have thanksgiving for one another in this church, for what God has done and the grace that he's given us, then we do not really love the church the way Jesus loves the church and the way Paul loves the church. Our PCA denomination, Presbyterian Church in America, there was a letter that was written or a study on, uh, on racism, basically. And a phrase went something like this. It said, if our goal in our denomination is simply to, to help with race relations, then that goal is far too short for our denomination. If our goal is not to restore racial equality, but our goal is to glorify and magnify the name of our Savior. For our church, if our goal is simply not to have conflict, that goal is far too short. If our goal is to have good marriages or single people who are joyous in their singlehood, that goal is far too short. If our goal is to have this, this, this purity, the goal is far too short. Our goal is to always to give thanksgiving for Christ that is shown in us. And as we go through this letter in the first Corinthians, you will start to see that the problems of this church exist here as well. 
the problems of this church are manifested here as well. And if our goal is simply to remedy all of these, without the presence of Christ, our goal is far too short. And in fact, as we go through this letter, I'll argue with you that all these issues and problems in this church are God-given opportunities to show forth the glory of God. For if our church was morally upright all the time, which, it, which ideally it never will be, then what opportunities do we have to show forth the glory of Christ? If everything was fine and well in our church, what opportunities is there to show God's redeeming work in the glory and, and, and therefore show off the glory of God? There is none. Our focus and our thankfulness is not in what we will, is not in, is, is not in ourselves, but in what God is working in every one of us. Praise be to God that this is his church, not ours. Now this church in particular, Paul was giving thanks for. And he had particular things that he gave particular thanks for. And so Paul knows his church. And Paul is thankful for his church. He says he's thankful in verse 5, for in him, for in Christ, you have been enriched in every way with all kinds of speech and with all knowledge. God confirming our testimony about Christ among you. Therefore, you do not lack any spiritual gift as you eagerly wait for the Lord Jesus Christ to be revealed. Paul's love for this church is so deep that he understands the particular strengths that this church has. The church in Corinth you know, is a, it's, it's a place where you had a lot of, how should I say this? A lot of people who love to think. A place where speech, a place where um, giving persuasive arguments uh, were highly valued place where people would stand up in, in the marketplaces and talk eloquently about philosophy, talk eloquently about their gods. It was a place where knowledge was highly valued. What do you know? And so Paul was someone who, who intimately knew this church. And there's very something very interesting here about it. He thanks them. He thanks God that God takes their natural gifts and enriches it for the gospel. So a church that had natural abilities in speech, a natural curiosity to know things, that by God's word, and God's grace enriched and enhanced to bring forth the gospel. 
for us as our church as well. We must see the natural gifts that we have and see them as things that aren't simply given to us for us, but that God has given them to us so that he may enrich them, infuse them with the gospel, infuse them with the good news, that we may use our gifts for his glory and his power. And so when you look amongst one another, be glad, be joyful for the creative gifts that we have. Some of you are born teachers. Some of you like to talk. Some of you are lawyers. Some of you are in the health profession. Some of you really enjoy sitting down with a cup of coffee talking with someone. Some of you have experiences in this world that are different from others. And God will use those and enrich all of those for his glory. And if there's something that this church in Corinth did well, it is just that. Your business acumen your science and background, your knowledge of simply the people of the city. God infuses your heart with the gospel to view all of those people and use your gifts for the church. This church they, they like to talk a little bit too much, and we'll see that. This church was a little puffed up because they knew a lot. For us, let us embrace who we are and use the gifts and talents that God has given to bless his people. They were a church that did not lack any spiritual gift. Paul recognizes that. This is a church from the outside when you would look at it. It was a well-oiled machine. It looked like it had everything. Didn't need any, any other gifts that were there. And Paul was thankful. Thankful for the fullness of what God was doing at the church of Corinth. But his thankfulness was not simply about what God has done and the gifts that surrounded that, but what the gifts were leading towards. In verse 7 and 8, Therefore you do not lack any spiritual gift as you eagerly wait for our Lord Jesus Christ to be revealed. He will also keep you firm to the end so that you will be blameless on the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. You see, all the gifts that you use, yes, they're for the upbuilding of the church, but the upbuilding of the church, what is the final goal? It's that sustained holiness in God. That sustained holiness does not mean simply moral uprightness. That sustained holiness simply means what? 
is that we have our eyes on Christ who is our sanctification, who is our holiness. But as we continue to grow in Christ and use our gifts, we, we see that we can become puffed up. We can see that no matter how well-oiled we are, like this church in Corinth, there will be sin, deceit, problems and troubles. But Paul is excited because he knows that in the midst of all this, even as we use our gifts imperfectly, that God will in the end use it for our holiness to see Christ perfectly. This is the heart of Paul. This is the heart that we as a church must have for one another. We, we, we must not look at each other with hopelessness. We must not look at each other and, and see someone who's sort of doing well and, and see too much hope. But we must see Christ working in each and every one of us. And we must reach out to one another as people that God is, loves and as, as people that God is working in. There's a joy in working together, knowing that in the end, we will all be victorious. We labor together knowing that we will all be victorious. Some of you may have had the, uh, the joy of, of, of knowing this. People that I know who have gone through uh, medical school, people that I've known who, who've gone through trade school, and they go together with, with other people. And there comes a point in time where you know that they're not going to fail you anymore. <laughs> there comes a point in time where you know that you've got that job. There comes a point in time where you know that you're going to graduate. So senioritis comes in, we're in high school. Or there comes that point. And then you have your comrades together, and there's just a joy of battling together to the end. There's an understanding of how much you've been through and an understanding of where that finish line is. We as God's people have to remember that we are one. We are a church. We have to remember that we need to battle together. We have to remember that we are going for that goal as well. We have to remember that our identity in Christ comes before all other things. We have to remember that in the end, we will rejoice together in Jesus. We have to look at one another and see that the finish line has been reached in Christ already that our duty before him is to live this out. 
with love and mercy and grace for one another. Brothers and sisters, sort of to recap all things, we must be thankful for one another because of Jesus and nothing else. We must start there. Yes, the other things that God is doing for us and in us is important. That's not where Paul starts. That's not where the gospel starts. No matter where you come from, no matter what stage in life you're in, no matter what your past may be, no matter what your presence may be, we see Jesus in one another working. And that's enough for us to love one another. You don't need to be perfect. You don't need to have things together. I see Jesus working in you. You see Jesus working in one another. That's more than enough for us to put our arms around one another and say, hey, brother, hey, sister, how are you? Yeah, this life thing, we're in it together. This adventure, it's better than med school students together bonding, better than law school students together bonding, better than trade school people together bonding, better than... You know, when you go to the Korean business, they have their team meetings, team retreats, MTs. We are in this adventure together. Give me a hug. Let's walk. You've heard me say, I shouldn't say it that way, it makes me sound like an apostle, but you've heard me say to many of you, though, that um, I don't trust you guys to change. And I don't. But you've heard me say that I trust Jesus to change you. And my joy and your joy in this church is not from us being able to do things to change one another. But our joy comes in simply loving one another and watching Jesus change us together. Be thankful for one another. Enjoy the fellowship that God has given us. Be thankful for the gifts that we have here. Even though we're called Christ Covenant Presbyterian Church, we're about a year and eight months old through August. We came out as a predominantly Korean American in a sense, Asian-American church. I don't know where God is taking us right now. But enjoy who you are, your identity. No matter what race you are here, you can be fully Christian and fully Korean. You can be fully Christian and fully 1.0 to 3.0, wherever, wherever that is. Be fully Caucasian, 
Filipino, Chinese, Taiwanese, whatever it is, and fully Christian. We enjoy the diversity that God has given us. This is who we are. Use what God has given you for his grace and his glory. Thank God for the giftedness that you have in terms of the people you're able to reach out to for the gospel and where you work. And share with them the good news. And when you bring them to church, or you introduce them to, your, to, to the church that is, that is CCPC, never be ashamed of us. Be thankful. You never know. And this is why God made this church. You've got to understand this. You, you never know whether or not Christ revealed in this church will be the means by which someone comes to know Christ. They don't need to be like you to come to know Jesus. They might need to hear something besides like what they are to come to know Jesus. We've seen many, I've seen many Asian people who've been disillusioned with the Korean church, disillusioned with being Asian, come to know Jesus in Caucasian churches, right, without the baggage. And after they come to know Jesus, they wrestle with who they are and how God has made them. There will be people that you know who need to know Jesus. The giftedness that we have here, the way that God has, ex has expressed himself here, maybe this is the place for them to come to know Jesus. Never be ashamed of the giftedness that God has exposed here at this church. But be thankful. And lastly, be thankful in the sustaining holiness of God himself. I, I believe it's impossible to be a good pastor, and I, I share this with my other pastor friends. It's impossible to be a good pastor without seeing the glory of what, of what God will do for his people in the end. And I relate this to husbands especially, right? Say to the husbands, like, it's, it's impossible to be married well unless you see the glory of what your wife will be in when the Lord returns. But it's not simply for husband and wife, it's for all of us. It's not simply for a pastor, it's for all of us. It's really difficult to love the church and to love one another unless we see, see the final product of what God's going to do. There is a graduation day for us, if I can put it that way, where we will all celebrate together what God has started in us. And believe me, when we're up there and God says, well done, good and faithful servant, here are your robes of righteousness. We will be grateful that in the midst of our struggling, in the midst of our sins, in the midst of all of that, 
But in the end, it's God's holiness and love for us that will give us joy. This church in Corinth, let me tell you right now, from the outside, this is a really bad church. This is a really bad church. Paul's thankfulness for their gifts, Paul's thankfulness for their, um, their for what they're doing. You might look at that, and, and if you knew that church, you'd be like, you're just saying nice things. You're like a Korean grandma who just says nice things. And you're trying to sort of speak it into truth. Paul's not doing that. Paul's not buttering up anyone. Paul's not denying what's happening. Paul has the truth of who God is and what God is doing in that church. That's what gives him strength. This church is a really bad church from the outside. But God's presence is what gives Paul hope. Have hope that in Jesus, he will change us from glory to glory. Have hope in Jesus that in the end, we too will be rejoicing with all the saints. Let's pray. Lord, a church is not simply a group of people coming together because they share the same morality. It's not a group of people coming together because they simply like the teachings of Jesus, but it's a group of people coming together because they've been called by you. They've been made alive in you. That the love for Jesus has been exposed in their hearts. And it's that love for you and your love for us that binds us perfectly together. And teach us as your people, Lord, to have that same love for one another. To give each other, Lord, unconditional hugs, unconditional words of encouragement. not because what the others have done, but simply because we know that Christ lives in them. That whether they are doing well in the faith at this moment or struggling in the faith, that our joy would always be Jesus in them. Help this church. Help us to grow in a way that loves you and honors you. For you who began a good work in us, Lord, we know that you'll be faithful to complete it. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.